Hi, Jim Kosho here from Dunlop. Welcome to the Dunn Solutions Podcast, where we're committed to providing cutting-edge industry knowledge for the building contractor and trade professional. Today, we'll hear from Belief Agency, a Seattle-based creative agency that specializes in full-stack marketing. They do everything from core messaging to strategy to content creation and SEO. In this podcast, Digital Director Joel Cummings, Creative Director Rochelle Cummings, and Marketing Manager Dave Powell are sharing some best practices for various components of your online presence, from social media to email marketing to branding to website management. In this podcast, you'll learn about the importance of clarity over creativity, how to identify your customers and best serve them, and how to make the most of your digital presence in an always changing landscape. For more information on attending future educational events, feel free to email me at jimc at dunlumber.com. And if you have questions for the Belief Agency team, email hello at beliefagency.com. That's H-E-L-L-O at beliefagency.com. Good morning, everyone. I'm really excited to actually be on this side of the mic. I've been coming to these breakfasts for a couple of years and get to hear everything you're learning and learn so much. I, I just bought a house a couple of years ago and I feel like every time I come here, I learn something new that I should be doing or thinking of. Um, so hopefully today I get a little bit of time just to share a little bit of what we've been learning about marketing with you guys and find some ways to, that you can use this to help you grow your business. Um, we have a big team working on all the marketing that we do for Dun Lumber. What I want you guys to know today is there are some simple things that you can do and you don't need a huge team to do all these things. Um, so I'm going to give you three tips and then we're going to bring Joel and Dave up. We'll talk through some things and also want to leave plenty of time for questions. Um, so I'm going to get started. Um, the first thing that I wanted to say was you all sent in really great questions. So I think marketing can be really scary, not scary, but just overwhelming. There's so many things to do. And as Jim was saying, it seems like every month something is changing. The fact that you guys are aware of things, asking great questions, thinking of these things is like you're already on the right track. So I just want you to take a second and be encouraged by that. Um, all right. The first biggest thing that you can keep in mind is clarity over creativity. It's really easy to think, well, I need a really new cool website that has AR capabilities or this cool video is going to solve all my problems. Really, what you need to do is have a website that when someone goes to it, they know who you are, what service you provide, and how they can contact you. Because if they don't know how to contact you, they're going to go to the next site. So it sounds very simple, but it's really easy to get lost in all the all the things you could do and forget the simplest things. Um, the second thing that I wanted to cover was knowing your customer. So who do you serve and how do you serve them? I want you to take a second and think about who your best clients are. Why are they your best clients? Your business is suited to serve specific people, those who share your worldview. So for example, there's a reason you guys shop at Dunlumber and are willing to pay a little bit more for their products. 
you know that they care about quality and quality products. So when you're spending your money at Dunn and spending a little bit more, it's because you also value quality. So what is that? We call that thing, um, we call it a worldview. At Belief Agency, we call that um, your belief. So when you know your belief, that allows you to explain who you are, what you do, and why people should care. It gives you clarity in how to communicate, and it gives you consistency in what to communicate. So when you know you, what you believe, it will help you know who you serve and who you share a worldview with. It'll also help you be consistent, and that's something I want to take a second and talk about as well. Um, it's really important to be consistent. I think it's, it's easy to think, well, I need to be on Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat, and now there's YouTube, and what are we doing with hows, and all these things. You really, rather than trying to be on everything, choose one platform and be on it consistently. Then think of, okay, who are my customers? Where are they? Okay, they're also on this platform. Okay, I'm gonna be there and I'm gonna have my website. Does my Facebook profile align with my website? Do I sound like the same person? Are people getting the same information? What you don't wanna do is reinvent yourself on every platform and that's something that we see a lot of people trying to fit in on Instagram and trying to fit in Facebook. You do have to contextualize your message to those platforms, but you don't have to change who you are for each of those platforms. Um, what you're doing is already special and um, already important, so just help people know what it is that you do and help them know how to contact you. Um, so, those were my three main points, and now I'm gonna bring up Dave and Joel and we can get more into kind of the nitty gritty details. And I want to take a second and say this book is somewhat of a workbook for you guys. So I talked a little bit about figuring out your worldview and figuring out your customer. Um, we've put in questions and ways for you to think through that so that um, hopefully you can, if you may or you should already know that, but a lot of times what happens is you do something every day and you forget that it's special. It's like Dun Lumber. We started working with them six years ago and um, we, we were talking to them, and I don't know how many of you know the story of the safe, but um, just in some interview somewhere, someone was like, well, you know, when the store burned down, we, um, the only thing left standing was the safe, and that was important because during the Great Depression, people didn't trust the banks. They trusted Dun Lumber. Like, whoa, that's really cool. That's really special. So um, that's where we got the line, building trust, but we didn't invent that. Belief Agency didn't come up with that. That's something that Dunlumber has valued for 112 years. So um, you don't need a marketing agency to come up with a phrase for you. You're already doing something special. You just have to, to figure out how to tell people what it is that you do and figure out how to find the people that want that service that you offer. So Dave and Joel, do you wanna come up here? Great. This one yours? No. Okay. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, my name's Joel. I'm the digital director at Belief. And um, as we got started here, what I wanted to do was to try not to call it a crash course or anything, but to try and distill down um, what we do as an agency for our clients. Um, this booklet is kind of a, a reflection of something that normally takes um, anywhere from one to two to three to 
you know, a couple months to doing this with Dunn almost every year, we kind of go through and try and refresh each of these aspects. So um, what I want to do is to take you through the intent of this stuff so that either you or your team can think through it at a, a higher level next time. And so that then you guys maybe have some opportunity to ask some questions about what do you mean by this or why is this aspect of marketing important? Because what we found uh, is a lot like video production or probably a lot like your project. If you spend a lot more time on the front end in that kind of pre-production phase and you're thinking about where this wall goes and why it goes there, I'm sure you can save a lot of time and money in the electrical and the plumbing. You can tell I have learned a few words <laughs> about lumber and remodeling. Uh, Rochelle and I did a apartment remodel uh, in our downstairs basement. So we have been kind of on all sides of this stuff and really appreciate the job and work that Dun Lumber does and our partners that uh, we've been working with there. What I wanted to do was to um, just kind of walk you through the first couple pages and then uh, maybe uh, Dave and I will highlight a couple of the questions that you guys asked to just kind of call out because there's a lot of technical kind of like words and stuff in there that don't really mean a whole lot. It's just kind of um, the words the industry uses. So what we'd like to do is to really drive at cl uh, clarity rather than uh, the creativity so that then as you see and are exposed to these ideas, philosophies, and other things later that you might have a little bit more context to um, know and make good decisions off that. So if that sounds good, we'll kind of jump right into that. So uh, on this first page is kind of what Rochelle was covering. And uh, on the next page, it's this idea of core and growth customers. And um, the point there is that you can't, it's really hard to serve someone if you don't know who they are or what they need and what they want. And so this customer obstacle and goal actually comes right out of storytelling. So a lot of what we do as a company is to um, actually try and encapsulate what we should communicate, you know, our beliefs, and then how to actually communicate those through different strategies. One of those is storytelling. So character and obstacle and goal actually comes from uh, the movies and the greatest stories of all time explained. And uh, as you start to learn and see this stuff, you'll actually see it in movies and books and realize why some stories like stand the test of time. So in every good movie or story, there's a character that has a goal and then there's this obstacle kind of in between. And the whole point of the story is how the character overcomes that obstacle to achieve that goal, right? So hopefully that kind of starts to make a little bit of sense and you could start to think of different movies and stories that you know this, you know, the main person is trying to do this thing and there's all this stuff in the way, the whole story is how they overcome that, right? Or what they learn through that. So we use that because as story or art reflects life, life reflects story. And we found that if we can simply start to just explain, well, this is a homeowner, uh, they bought a fixer upper, uh, and it doesn't, they don't have their own time or talent to make it their own. <laughs> they need a lot of help, right? To actually get what they want, which is to make their house their home. And so, while that seems like really um, simple, it actually just really starts to help clarify what you do for who and how you can help them. Does that make sense? Cool. So what we did there was just kind of like made up a couple. Uh, there are things that we kind of think about a lot and try to give uh, some examples. I left uh, number three open so that you could kind of try and like say, oh, well actually these are the people I wanna help. Or these are the people, you know, there's different kinds of folks that I want to help depending on the kind of jobs and work that you take on. And so it's really good to identify your core customers 
and this is just kind of a normal, uh, kind of a standard business philosophy is like, you build your company on certain kinds of people, and then over time, you, may, you might just serve them in a different way, or you might just serve additional people. The danger is when you try and serve everybody and be everything to everyone, you'll be nothing to no one, really. And so as you can be more specific, uh, as a lot of you might be owners or leaders in the company, this will really help the rest of your company know, the rest of the people in your company, know more about what you're trying to do as a company and a business, right? And so now you should start feeling this thing from me of clarity, 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 just over and over and over again, right? The more clear you can be about it, the more um, everyone else can kind of be on the same page. So then a growth customer might, it doesn't have to be anything other than, oh, this is someone I don't serve now, but I think I could serve really well. And uh, here's what their obstacle and goal is, and here's how I can help them. Does that first kind of section make sense? So after that, um, like I said, this is a workshop that we normally do. I usually schedule about three hours to get started. And then we still usually have to come back after to get, really get into the details. So what I tried to do was uh, put a bunch of the questions that we'll kind of ask through the workshop to just try and help you think about or to help your team kind of think about it, right? And so the main thing I'm trying to do is to take this thing we do in person that I, if I tried to do with all of you guys, it would take us, I don't know, through the end of the year at least. And so this way you can kind of have some of the tools to work on that. So um, the biggest things with uh, these is to say, to know kind of their name and to just make one up. And uh, even one of the biggest things, I don't know if Jim knows this one, but early on when we started working uh, with Dunn Lumber, uh, Jesse actually had a picture of Mike Dunn on his computer as he was thinking like, how do I help this guy do what he's trying to do, right? And so there's a lot that uh, people get out of photos, right? And knowing who that person is and caring enough about them to try and help them. Uh, I think the most recognizable thing uh, to people is the human face. It's just a really powerful um, way that we connect. Um, it's, I think, one of the first things babies actually start to connect with, right, is other people in their faces. So their name, their photos, all this stuff is just trying to kind of help think through that. Um, there's different pieces on there to try and help you think through obstacle and the solution that you offer. Again, you guys are in it every day. Um, you guys could probably tell me things about my house that I don't even know about and I live there, right? You guys know this stuff really, really well. So the more that you can kind of distill it down and make it clear for you and your other team and your team and even more your customers, the biggest thing that you'll get from that is that um, we'll be better able as customers to refer you. One of the scariest things for a customer and when they're referring someone is kind of these two things. One, are you gonna screw the people that uh, I refer you to, which I'm probably not gonna refer you if I think that's possible, right? But am I gonna sound stupid when I'm trying to explain what it is that you do or why it is that you do it? Does that make sense? So the more that you're clear about that, the easier it is for me to tell Dave, who you know in the next couple years is trying to buy a house. Uh, he just moved here from Indianapolis, but it's just like, if I know more of what you do, why you do it, and what you, what you can do for someone, then it's easier for me to tell Dave about it, right? Rather than for me to try and make it up, um, the clearer you can be, the more helpful a website can be, right? Because I can say, hey Dave, you should check out this guy, he's an electrician, he did a great job for me, here's his website and his phone number's right there. So, the next part uh, is kind of leading into that, of saying that how you serve people is uh, a really big deal, 
And so uh, there's this guy named Theodore Levitt who wrote uh, for the Harvard Business School. And he wrote um, an article called Marketing Myopia. And just the big idea um, with all of that is that people don't buy a quarter inch drill, they want a quarter inch hole, right? So people need this stuff to overcome the obstacle, but really what we want as humans is this solution, this bigger thing. So it's really important to write in a way or to think about things in a way, not in how you complete it, but why someone actually wants it. So um, as you're thinking through the product and service piece, there's uh, just ways to kind of explain uh, each section to say short, medium, and long. And again, all of a sudden, if you do this kind of hard work, the next time you update your website, you can pull right from this. The next time you update your brochure, you can pull from this. When you're trying to train a new uh, person, you can just have them look at this or review it. And uh, one of the most helpful things I forgot to include in here is for this short section, this one sentence, this is probably the most powerful thing that you can do. And that's just to really make it very clear this is a blank for blank that helps people blank better than blank so much that they tell their friends and family, right? And so um, that idea there is just called positioning, where you just make it really clear that, you know, um, I had an example and it escapes me. So just filling in the blanks and finding that kind of root clarity will really help other people to communicate who you are and what you do, right? So um, to try and uh, slow down a little bit to say, you know, this is a blank. So let me just use uh, uh, our agency to say, we're belief agency, the first blank, and we help people tell the truth and make money, second blank, right? We do this uh, better than other uh, companies because we use um, this process and we actually believe that you can do that. So that's why people kind of continue to work for us. We uh, work with us. We as a company uh, believe that you can tell the truth and make money and our purpose is to help people to be able to do that, right? So that's why I can also stand up here and give all of this away, because one, I know how much work it is, right? But also that um, for us in our partnership with Dunlumber, as you guys do better, Dunlumber does better, which means that we might kind of do better, right? And that's uh, actually what Dun believes in this whole win-win, uh, this kind of positive sum game that we're all playing here. So even now that you uh, maybe think that or maybe see those words, think of, um, when we were starting with Mike, one of the things that he said is like, our purpose as a Dun Lumber company is to build trust, right? Because we want to have these long-term relationships. It's what we've always had. And uh, it's what we want to really solidify for like another 110 years. And what was really powerful about that is that then he said, so to build trust, we have to go first, meaning Dun Lumber, right? And he's like, that's what we try and do all day, every day, in every way that we can. And that's when um, the idea or the strategy for uh, all the marketing that we do came up. Where we said, well, great, if you're going to go first, let's try and make uh, content, which is just kind of blogs and videos and stuff like this, so that we can help our customers, our contractors, our homeowners, our DIYers, to build trust with them and to build a relationship with them by giving them value when, and not really asking for anything. Right? Does that make sense? So like you can kind of start to see how if you can start with this belief of what you're trying to do and who you are, the strategy stuff gets a lot easier and a lot more clear. And then when you're just like, oh, this is a blank for blank that helps people blank, you can just kind of fill that in. And you'd be surprised at how um, powerful 
that little thing is. It came from uh, a guy named Ryan Holiday, and his book uh, is listed in the back as Perennial Sellers. His whole thing was that uh, our world is getting very short term, and everybody is thinking, uh, as Jim Collins talks about, the next quarter instead of the next quarter century. And he's like, I want to help people to try and think of how do we do stuff for the long term. And he said, it's really interesting, the stuff that stands the test of time is called the perennial seller. It just kind of keeps around and keeps going because it actually is delivering value. It's not just trying to kind of make a buck. And so his whole book is about not only how to develop products, but how to position them. And it's a really, it's a really, really good one. He writes um, not for our industry, but for people in general. So we've just kind of talked about why it's important to know who you are, and then who you serve, and how you serve them, right? And so that's the first couple sections of this uh, kind of workbook. Um, what I want to do uh, is mainly give you guys some time to ingest that and then to maybe highlight some of the questions that you guys asked about because they were really good ones. And then uh, really open it up for questions. I've got a couple books and stuff to give away. I was going to do them through the raffle, but I thought I'd tell you a little bit about each of them and then we can just kind of raise hands and we'll try and give them away that way so that a book isn't really a prize for most people, so I didn't want, to, I didn't want people to go, oh, I could have gotten a bottle of wine and you gave me this book. So we'll just kind of take it like that. So um, do you guys have any questions about this first part before we um, kind of look at the specific questions that you guys asked? I'll try and answer anything. Is Daniel Westbrook here? He submitted an insane question and he didn't even come. He didn't think I'd answer it either, but it's the last question in the packet. <laughs> yeah. You keep on talking about focus, and I think that you talk about core customers, yeah. and later on you talk about growth customers. Yep. Why don't you just keep on focusing on core customers? Oh, that's a great uh, question. Unless you're running out of core customers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the question is, why? Yep. And so the, the question is, if we're talking about focus, why would you have core and growth customers? And uh, I think that's exactly right. That um, you'd always, you always want to stick as close as you can to the core and actually find different ways to serve them uh, over and over again, right? What I also assume about your industry is that um, as a person that owns a home, I can't remodel my house every year. So even though I might be uh, a good type of customer or core customer, uh, there's another type of person that you might be able to serve just as well and kind of do a little bit of a market expansion. And so I would, we always say um, go to the people that you already work with and do more with them. It's easier, it's faster, it's cheaper. You don't have to pay um, you know, a Google ad or something to try and find them. Um, that if anything else, going back to them and getting referrals from them is the best place to kind of go. So um, a lot of that growth customer mentality is, um, <laughs> it's actually just to kind of like put other people's minds at bay, right? And say, hey, we do have a plan if we wanted to go here, but why wouldn't we keep serving the people that we have, know, and love and can do a really good job for? So um, Belief serves a lot of different kinds of companies. Uh, some are larger, more enterprise uh, people that are really focused on rapid quarterly growth, right? And so a lot of this stuff is to try and help us to think uh, at a strategic level instead, so that we can say like, oh, if we're starting a new initiative, who's this for? Like, oh, this is for a growth customer. Okay, then 
our results for that initiative are going to be potentially a lot less and a lot more expensive than if we're going after people we already know, already can reach, and already know who we are and know that we can do a good job for. So um, it's mainly a way for you to try and think at a higher business strategy level of going, have we done all we can for our core customers? Great. When we have, then let's expand. But a lot of times in business, um, we'll think expansion is just kind of uh, perpetual exponential growth, right? And this just hockey curve that goes up. And I don't remember which book it's from, but it uh, talks about the only people that believe in that kind of growth are politicians and madmen, right? <laughs> it's like, no, this doesn't happen forever all the time. And so uh, it's really good to try and focus on those core customers. If nothing else, it's trying to uncover our natural human desire to constantly add and never subtract and never kind of reduce down. You'd be surprised at how many designers just have a career out of telling you how much less you should have on your flyer, right? Of just going like, you think you need all this information on it, but it actually you need a lot less. So um, to try and most directly answer your question, it's mainly to try and uh, account for the humanness in business so that then you can make the decision. And you guys can go like, actually, that's a growth customer for us. Why, would, why are we doing this whole initiative or this half-hearted initiative? We know that's going to take four times as much resources than doing an email to our current customers. Does that make sense? You had another question, another question back here? OK. So um, this, these first kind of couple things are in this uh, section of our approach, which we just kind of call strategy. Uh, we have a full kind of rendering of it online. I can go through it, but it's a little bit hard to do without a whiteboard and for some props. So what I wanted to do instead was to um, highlight a couple of the questions that you guys asked, just so you could see them, and then uh, try and open it up to any other questions and stuff that you had. Does that sound good? So um, kind of getting back to our clarity theme, when we're talking about design basics, a lot of times people will think through the pixels or how something looks or the colors, but the structure, the architecture is almost just as important. So uh, this is another concept that we'll do called who should do what, why. So a lot of what our approach is um, with marketing is this, uh, it's not an idea, what is it? It's a thing, it's empathy, right? And trying to think of when someone goes on the site, what are we asking them to do? And is it clear enough that that's what we need or want from them? So as a not, not a designer person, I kind of always think like this anyway to say, if someone's on our site, what do we want them to do? Do we want them to submit a form? Do we want them to view our previous work, our service offerings, our FAQ, our phone, uh, to call us on the phone? If you're not clear about that, they have no chance at knowing that's what you want and then or doing what you want, right? And so um, when we're thinking and talking about design, we usually skip way past um, some of these first initial questions when we're thinking about our website. So um, the next time you look at your website, try and think what are the top five is a lot, right? It should really be top two or three things that you want a new person to do on your website. Once you decide that, if you tell that to a designer or a content developer or a creative director or a marketer, if you're like, the number one thing I want people to do is to submit a form. They can actually help you reorient the whole site, work on the information hierarchy to make sure that that's the one thing that people will see or know about or they can't miss, right? 
a lot of times um, uh, we just kind of keep adding, which is another like human trait. Like we're terrible at subtracting just as people in general. So how do you uh, subtract? How do you know what to do or not to do? Well, you have to know kind of the goal or the outcome that you have first, which sounds simple enough, but you'd be surprised at how many times we just kind of make things or put things on there because we're afraid of something or afraid of like people not getting it. But your website isn't to sell your jobs. Your website is to try and get uh, the lead or the contact or the call, right? You guys are going to sell the job. You're going to sell the work. You just need someone to know, oh, this person's trustworthy. They're capable. They're competent. Uh, great, I'll contact them. And then um, the other one, which we've just started kind of calling $10,000 worth of advice, is for uh, domain registration. I don't have it on uh, official authority, but a person that uh, works very closely with, uh, I'll actually should be more vague since this is going out public, but <laughs> um, the $10,000 worth of advice is thinking about what Google wants from, uh, from you as a website holder, right? They have their customers who are trying to find things that they need and want. So what Google is trying to do is to connect them with people that have what they need and want, right? So one of the ways that Google tests or thinks about that is if you have good, high-quality content that's clear and valuable and helps people and that people share or return to or keep using, right? Well, one of the ways that you can signal to Google that uh, you're going to be here and want to be around for a while is to actually buy more years on your domain registration. So it's really natural to just pay for a year because it's 10 or 15 bucks. But if you pay for three to five years, maybe even 10, what you're signaling to Google is that we're not fly by night. We're going to be here. We're making an investment in our company. It's you know 100 bucks. It's not, it's not overly uh, expensive. But to Google, imagine if um, you just went month to month on your domain registration. You're like, well, I'm maybe going to do this or maybe not. You know, and it's a it's an algorithm. It's not a person, but that's how it thinks. Oh, this domain has been registered for a long time, and it's registered for a long time in the future too. One of the most powerful things that Dunlumber has is a URL that's been registered since 1996, right? So Google's like, man, these guys have been around on the internet like as it was getting going, right? And so what Google does in its <coughs> algorithm is goes, oh, if you've been around and you're providing good content and you think you're going to be around, you're betting on yourself to be around for a while, they will, that will, I can't say automatically and I can't say for sure, but it is one of the things that is considered when they're uh, ranking pages on a website, right? So um, that's really, really easy to do for a couple hundred bucks. Uh, three to five years is, is probably fine. Um, and so the last piece of that is that um, here's where we'll start to get technical. But that's one thing you can do, because one of the other questions is how do you rank on Google? If you know who you, who you serve and how you serve, and you've worked out that sentence in that uh, I do remodeling for you know, old Victorian houses or something like that, then you can start to put that in your uh, website's meta information, which is just your site title tag, or you know, if you're using Squarespace, you just kind of, it, it'll help you to figure out those things, or WordPress, if you're using like SEO Yoast, or some of the things that help you put signposts up on your website. If you've done this hard work of going, this is the kind of work I want to do, and you can post that on your web, website, title tag, and information, and web, um, web pages, then Google will go, man, uh, Google doesn't want the 
just the a remodeler in Seattle, right? Most people are gonna be like, I live in this kind of home and I need someone to do this kind of work. So if you can be more specific, you'll be surprised at how much more quality traffic you get over than quantity. And so I think that's kind of the, be the last thing until um, I kind of try and reopen it up to you guys again of that. If, you're, if you can drive after clarity and consistency, that will actually serve you a lot more to get more quality leads rather than just a quantity. Because in talking with some of you and some other folks, uh, it costs you time and money to get on a sales call that isn't qualified, right? And you're, you're spending an hour with them and you're like, oh man, this is not going anywhere. Now I have to spend my time to try and give them a referral or to do something else. So uh, we kind of wrote in here on one of them that a good website is also a gate. Um, on our website, it says good marketing is telling the truth. Do you think some people go to our website and go, well, that sounds crazy? Right? Or what do you mean by truth? <laughs> People have asked us and we're like, well, you know, we kind of go through this whole thing, but it saves them a lot of time and it saves us a lot of time too. So the clearer you can be, yes, some people will get turned away, but hopefully that will actually help your business too and not having to talk to people that are obviously not going to be good fits for you. Right? So those were the two or the couple that I wanted to highlight. Um, if you guys want, we can just kind of keep going through these, but I wanted, since we wrote these out, you can read them later. Uh, we wanted to see if there were any other questions that kind of came up based on what we're talking about, or if you guys have more specific questions about um, anything. Yeah? When you're talking about Google, who are these people that keep calling and saying they're representing Google? Are they legit or are they just some kind of... Yeah. So the, the question is, uh, telemarketing calls from Google, who are they and are they legitimate? Um, I don't know, what do you think, Dave? No. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, hey, I'm Dave. <laughs> hey. Uh, for the most part, no. Um, you can become a Google partner or you can um, pass a, uh, become Google certified, which anyone can do if you just pass the test. And some people, unfortunately, will use that and then because they became certified, will then call you and, and then kind of throw the name Google because it has you know, a lot of power when you say it. So um, I would avoid those people. Now, if you're spending a lot with Google ads and stuff, um, you will get a call and they'll be saying, you know, because of how much you're spending with Google, you'll be assigned a, a representative for some point in time. But the cold calls like that, I would just avoid those. Yeah. That, does that answer your question? Was, did that answer your question? Oh, uh, about Google. Oh, yeah. Um, cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So I'm a part of a lot of, uh, sorry, repeating the question is, get a lot of uh, calls for business services. I can do your website, I can do your social media, I can do all of these things. Which one should you do or which one shouldn't you do, right? And so uh, the, first, the first thing to think about is um, marketing and advertising is obviously an important part of our society and our culture, right? So 
doing nothing uh, could work. Um, it also, doing something usually can work pretty well too. So how do you decide what to do? Well, a lot of that is to just pick uh, your goals as a company and to say like, hey, we need to increase our sales or we need to increase our profit margin, right? And that kind of gets back to what we were talking about earlier. Increasing revenue and doing additional sales comes with it a lot of increased cogs and expenses and all these kind of other things too. So um, it, if you're actually just trying to increase your net income or your profit margin, there's different ways to do it. If you're trying to expand, then you'll probably need some form of marketing or help. What we're trying to say is that the very minimum that you need and to have is a website, right? If um, 10, 15 years ago, what I would say is you need to be in the yellow pages, right? Like you, if you're not there, you don't exist. If you're not on the internet, you don't exist. Um, I'll tell you as a person that you probably, at least one of your probably younger clients or whatnot, like I'll go to some of the sites for these kind of services and I know it's hard. And so I don't leave immediately if it's not fully up to date. I kind of you know go like, oh, it doesn't need to be this new big flashy thing, but it does need to be clear of going, what do you do? How does it work? If I call you, like if I set up a time to call you, are you going to be able to solve my problem? Can I figure that out? So that's why this is a blank for blank really helps of like, uh, right now we redid our basement downstairs and um, our, the person renting it out uh, constantly sets off the fire alarm because it's a really small kind of studio. So the stove and the living room are all in the same place and the hood isn't hecked hooked up to vent to the outside. And I was just like, man, she sets off the fire alarm like all the time, what's going on? And then she goes out and says, well, the vent's not working. And I look and I'm like, well, that's an old dryer vent. That's not even the vent for this, for the stove for the hood, right? And so then I'm spending all this time just like, how do I, I don't know what I even say to, uh, my hood isn't venting to the outside, right? And so, but if that's all you do, you could probably start to anticipate, well, this is what someone, this is the problem they're gonna have, their obstacle and their goal. Well, all these phone calls that I explain to people what I do, I could actually just write that up one time and to give it away on my website. Sure, other people could take it and use it, but you know it's really hard to run a website anyway, so other people are probably gonna be more distracted. But then it just makes a tool that you've helped me to know before I've even spent the time to call you if it's um, if we're probably the right people. So I would say at minimum doing a website, um, there's a lot of really good tools for that. I think we've listed some of them like Squarespace, you could get up and going really, really fast. Just pick a template, fill in the boxes. It's kind of similar to this. If you do this, making a website like that will be a lot easier. If you're on WordPress or something like that, a lot of you are that just take this and put it kind of on there. One idea, that we found, because I'm a part of a lot of these different things, is uh, this thing called, uh, well, it's Genem or something, G-E-N-M. Uh, it's on the page 15. They actually uh, are a company that gather up marketing students, so students that are like in college or getting right out of college, and they just need experience, right? And so if you're kind of a business owner or a leader and you're like, well, I don't know about marketing, but I do know about people and sales and I could give uh, you know, a young marketer experience. 
then that could be uh, a great tool. They give us 25 off, which I don't think it matters to them if you guys use that link. So uh, you could try it. I haven't, I haven't tried it or done it before, but I thought that would be a potentially really helpful way for you to get someone that's not in their own business trying to sell you their services. It's someone trying to gain experience and to kind of get going. And I'll tell you, you could do a lot for them because what makes Dave really good at his, um, his background in marketing is actually having connection with business owners that are trying to grow their business and going like, oh, now I know if you get these kind of leads, your business grows, then he can focus on getting those, right? Rather than just him kind of using a cookie cutter strategy on you it's that connection that you have with sales and marketing that really has the most success. So what should you do? At least a website. And then there's a bunch of other stuff that you could do. Try and just track and measure it and define what works. Uh, for some of you, House is probably gonna work really well. Other use maybe uh, Yelp, right? But Google My Business is probably a good place to start because it's free and it connects to your website and it's the largest search engine in the world, right? Like it's. That's those are the three things places I would start. Yeah. Yeah. So just to help define your business a little bit, if I wanted to hire you guys to set up a URL, do a small marketing strategy, uh -huh. we can do that. Yeah, so of course. You guys provide, you know, just work with big no, no, no. Size? Yeah. Uh, so the question is at belief, like who do we work with, and what would uh, something look like to start and. What's been really great about, um, or the thing that I like most about it, is that it's not dependent on an industry or a business size. It's really like uh, we have worked with enterprise and you know someone like Dunn, but this packet is us taking all the stuff we did for them and putting it, putting it in a piece of you know in a packet and giving it away, and it's just like it's not rocket science stuff. It's just knowing and having the courage to think about who you are and what you do and how to, how to do it. So we work with uh, kind of people at all levels. Some of our growth customers that we're thinking about right now are even entrepreneurs and startups. And that's just because of the city that we're in. It's like there's a lot of people around that just you know, have a need uh, to be able to explain this crazy new idea that they have that's gonna change the world. Right? And so um, those are some of our uh, core and growth customers. And Joe, who Rochelle uh, mentioned earlier, is one of our account managers. So he'd be a really good guy to go, hey, here's some of the problems that, that we have, you know, and here's some of our goals. Are, are there things that you can help us with? So uh, he'd be a good guy to talk to. I, you, I'd, of course, talk to you too. But does that answer your question? I think I skipped someone over here. So if I were to summarize the question and tell me if this is right, how often should I update my website for the people that visit it? And how often should I optimize my site for Google? Does that make sense? Is that about it? Okay. So this uh, brings up another kind of principle of ours is that we write for people and then we optimize for Google. You guys have all been to a site that writes for Google and doesn't care about you at all, right? It's just this spam website with a bunch of ads on it, right? And uh, there's been some recently where I'm scrolling and I, I, 
I'm dyslexic. So as I'm reading, I see an ad and I literally forget what the article is. <laughs> and it's because there's just a, a whole takeover ad that just is like right in the middle, right? So write for people, then optimize for Google. So even your question is in the right order. Uh, so that's perfect. I think what I'll do, though, is let Dave answer specifically on the Google side. Um, I think you'll be surprised that, uh, like I said, how forgiving most of us are going to be for people in your industry. We just know that this stuff's really expensive and that you can't keep it updated every day or every year, right? At some point, if you can start to uh, allocate money for marketing, it can be anywhere between 1% and 10% of your pick one. Revenue, gross mark, like net income, just just pick a place to start and to know that as Jim is talking about, this stuff changes all the time. Like WordPress just did a huge update over in November, right? So if you weren't kind of prepared for it or ready for it, um, it could cost you a couple thousand bucks just to get your site back up and running because it's last minute and we're behind, right? Where if you're like, well, I know probably every year I'm gonna need 2,500 to $5,000 just to do a checkup, just to, check on it and see what's changed, um, that wouldn't be a bad idea to just kind of have a budget for it. I don't think that you need to update it all that often. One of our most successful blog posts um, for Belief Agency is still a couple years old, which it may not have made it in our new website migration, but uh, it was about the Nordstrom core values of service. Uh, one of our creative directors um, just bought this new top or something from Nordstrom and the button broke. And I don't know why she posted it, but she was like, oh, I'm so bummed. I got this from Nordstrom and it broke. They sent a tailor to our office. The tailor came and sewed the button back on. And we were like, we were so blown away. We were like, that's insane. Like we wrote this whole you know, blog about it. And I'm like, whoa. And, but you don't have to go back and change that one. Just because it's old doesn't mean it's not relevant anymore. If you make good content that um, we use this term evergreen, it can be green all the time. It's relevant all the time. You don't always have to write for, oh, here's this new thing, here's this new thing. But like, I'm sure kitchens and bathrooms, and sorry to totally uh, reduce your services to just that. I just don't know all of them. But I'm sure that stuff doesn't change all that much, right? Maybe some of the, the facade things, but there's probably these core principles of going like, hey, when you're hiring, um, when you're hiring someone like this, you need to think about these three things all the time, every time, no matter what, right? I have no, I had no idea how to manage a timeline and a budget for a remodel, and yes, it went way longer than I thought, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, people probably laughed at me when I was like, I don't know, it's about this much, and it takes this many weeks, right? Just like you guys are like, what? It takes a weekend to do a website. I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I've got a website that's nine months and it's not launched. You know, I've been working on it for nine months. Um, so you don't have to update it as, as, as often as you think, probably, um, especially if you make good kind of long-term content. But maybe uh, Dave can talk about Search Console and uh, how to update for Google. Yeah, um, to the second part of your question, there is something Google provides called Search Console. And it's great because it um, shows um, insight onto what your customers were searching, how they got to your website, um, similar to Google Analytics, but it's a little, it's designed just for search. 
And with that information, you can see this got searched X amount of times per month and brought this many people to your website. And then you can kind of see how they engaged with your website. So um, that will help fuel and guide you saying, well, maybe we should create more content on, on this, or maybe we should update this page because it's getting so much web traffic, but the content might be slightly out of date. Um, so that's one way. Um, and there's several things. You know, Google's algorithm as far as updates changes all the time. But one thing to always remember is, I mean, some people view them um, as bad or an enemy or like the search engines, not Google, but just search engines in general, like they're trying to make money. But Google is built really trying to, you know, as a really trying to pr give you exactly what you want, like as a uh, similar to like a, a file cabinet, you know, um, you know, it's all file, it's structured, whatever you need find it as quickly as possible. And the way Google makes money is selling, or one of the ways is through their advertisements, but the way they can do that is because they are geared towards just providing, trying to give you the exact content you're searching for. So as long as your content is geared towards towards that, um, even if Google made 10 updates and they're recommending you make those, if your content is still providing that value, you could, I mean, you could still very well be ranking number one or without the recommended updates. So. Um, it's, it's mainly about content, and then you know, um, as, as long as your content's good, there's a couple other things you might want to um, stay current on um, and make those adjustments as they come. But even if you don't make those adjustments, there's a chance you could still be ranking fine because your content's that good. Um, and then your other question, I don't, I don't think Joel answered, but um, about how often you should change your design of your actual website. Um, I think. I, it always changes. I think people now say less than three years is how often you should change your website, which I know seems like a lot. But um, it's similar to like any type of trend from uh, car design or, or fashion or things like that. So, you know, when other people's websites start looking a certain way, that's normally like, you know, like the whole responsive movement or mobile friendly. So it's kind of like you'll know when it comes time. I, I, I wouldn't know the exact, you know, every 18 months you need to change your website, but it could be 10 years. I don't know. So. So, so some of that I forgot we wrote on page nine. So it's under the header analytics. So just talking about Google Analytics, Search Console is the second paragraph there. Um, so you can click there and connect, uh, connect all that and get that, some of that information. The probably biggest one to be uh, aware of is the third one. I forget why we did this longer one, but I think if you just Google uh, test my site in Google, it's Google's tool to tell you exactly what they think you should do on your website. So um, kind of getting back to this other question, I have all these people calling me, telling me I can optimize my website, my ad spend, all that stuff. You'd be surprised how many of them just look at this and call you and tell you what Google tells them to tell you, right? And so at some point, that is, could be a service, right? If you don't know, it could be helpful and beneficial information. Hopefully now you have some tools to go, wait, you're just reading off this page that Google does, right? I've sold a lot of websites off of this and going, like, you can go and ask Google, how good is my website? And they'll say, your mobile speed is really bad, which means that if someone's trying to get on there, it's one second, two seconds, they left. You know? And so um, it's really helpful information from them. It's also information that if you have analytics <coughs> installed on your, um, on your website, there's this little like star or something that's called assistant, and it will just tell you, you should do this, you should do that, you should do that. right? So uh, some tools there to help. Yeah. Um, I'm curious how the large newspapers yeah. saw your blog. How did that work? Oh, well, so they didn't see our blog. They saw the tweet. 
So um, it was, uh, we just, they used Twitter and said, oh, I just got this blouse and this button fell off. I'm so sad, right? And so they just happened to be watching and going like, oh man, that's not, you know, we, we're retailer, we sell this stuff, but we also do this customer service. So how can we make sure that you had a good experience um, online? So then later we wrote the blog. And then I was just saying that later on that became one of our longest standing blog posts that was out there because we didn't need to refresh it all the time. It just was a good story from back then. So in the world of Twitter, yeah. uh, did you tweet, it was Nordstrom's Yeah, she probably put, I got this from at Nordstrom, okay. and then they would get a notification. Yep. Well, there's a lot of tools that will listen for you, right? So. Um, there's ones like, I mean, even Twitter will tell you a notification. This person mentioned you, right? Um, you got a message from this person, but there's, you could pay as much money as you have uh, to listen to the internet, right? <laughs> and there's just people that think that we all want to do that, which every time they say, I'm like, I, I don't want to do that at all. Like, you know, um, so uh, there's other things like hashtags where if you want to try and develop a community online, it's really good to not only respond to the people that mention you, but to then look at their tweets and go, what are they talking about? Are they talking about Seattle? Or are they talking about customer service? And you can just follow those hashtags and then start participating in those conversations and saying, well, yeah, I mean, now we're talking like 20 hours. You know, you can do 20 hours a day on that. So that's why this other thing we learned from one of our other clients, it's a, a matrix on uh, page 11. It's like, how do you start to write think strategically about your time, right? And to say, what can I do that's a low effort and has a high impact? Responding to a tweet where someone's reaching out to you or a phone call, that's lower effort and pretty high impact, right? Uh, high effort, high impact would be, well, I'm gonna look at the hashtag of Seattle and just talk to people on there, whether they're a homeowner or whatever. It's like, yeah, that might work. It's gonna be a lot of effort though. Yeah. Yeah, so the question is, so if, I, if my recommendation is uh, the website and some of the other things that we talked about, then where do you put social media uh, in that kind of strategy? So if you had to pick 10 things, I think we've talked about the first maybe five to six of them of like, have a website, have analytics on it, look and see how people are searching for your site. Um, the important thing to think, to remember about something like Google search and social is that there's a lot more intent on search. So over here, what you're gonna get is people looking for a solution, right? They have something, they know something about it and want to get it done. And so on social, the difficulty is there's no intent. It's totally passive from an advertising standpoint. It's much more like a billboard where I, as the person you're trying to meet, maybe don't even know I have a problem yet, right? Like. Um, I probably don't think of a plumber until I see water on the ground, like, oh, what's going on here, right? Uh, I'm probably gonna search for that. I'm probably not gonna go on Facebook and go, who's a plumber around me, right? I'm gonna go to Google, because I know that I can search and get kind of an answer of what I'm looking for. So it's social is a little bit more of a top of funnel, longer term strategy. What you wanna do is to be on people's minds when something comes up. So um, 
even when I say plumber, all of you probably have an idea in your head of who you would call. It's probably entirely different than who I could call, right? But um, that top of mindness is important, but also very expensive. It takes a lot of time or it takes a lot of money. If I said another word, um, I'll say in a second, but let me explain a little bit more. Recall is really, really expensive uh, in someone's mind, right? They say the most expensive real estate in the world is the corner of someone's mind. When you say something, they think of it. That's recall. Recognition over here is not as expensive and just requires a little bit of kind of consistency and attention. From an ad standpoint, we kind of assume you'll have to see an ad over here in social or display or all these other things probably 10 to 20 times before you have a, you'll ever click it, right? Just our minds, as they talk about those croc brains, right, that we have these really old brains are like trying to protect our own resources. So we can't constantly receive new information. We have to kind of filter some of it out. So you have to see something a few times before your brain actually even lets it in for, um, for like processing. That's why when someone calls and says, hey, I'm with Google, you're like, oh, that sounds valuable and important because Google is such a valuable company and brand, right? So back to recall and recognition, then I'll answer your question of saying, recall is when I say fast food, you probably think of a giant M and a couple colors, right? Red and yellow. They have spent an ungodly amount of money to make sure that when you think fast food, that you think of them, right? Whether you like it or not, that's what I'm talking about of like pray and spray or wasting money is like, they have spent a lot of money to make sure that the image of McDonald's is in your head when you think fast food. Why do they have to do that? Because no one plans on going there, right? You think, I'm hungry, what should I do? Oh, I got this really short list. Oh, I'm, that's where I'm gonna go, right? And so, uh, well actually, it's Dave's favorite coffee. Is that right? McCafe. So, recall, super expensive. Recognition, not as expensive of saying, um, hey, do you know about Dunn Lumber, right? It's not a really fair one in here. But, um, recognizing and saying like, oh, I know them. They do this kind of stuff. That's not as expensive and something that's really good and easy to do on social media. What I would tell you to do there, though, is that um, Facebook and other social medias have what are called pixels, which I don't think we talked about here. But they help uh, you to reach the people that have been to your site or people like the people that have been on your site. So getting back to doing that kind of hashtag following or social development, it can take a lot of time. One really rather inexpensive thing to do is to spend a couple hundred dollars on uh, Facebook to see how people respond to you and your company and your business. It's probably gonna be hard to sell them on something on Facebook unless they have that acute need that they didn't know that there was a solution for, right? Um, you know, can you complete a home, uh, a home remodel on time and on budget or something like that would be a pretty powerful ad because you're just like, oh, I didn't even know that that existed, right? Uh, one of our clients talks about uh, get three bids, just make sure one's us. I put that at the top of the website, right? So like when you go there, it's like, we're not afraid of competition. We know that we either offer better service or a better price and we can tell you exactly why and how. It's like that as a customer rings really strongly because I don't know how many people I should get a, th uh, get a quote with. Three sounds good, but I wouldn't have thought of that. So if you have that, if you have that as part of your sales strategy, 
making a very simple thing like that on Facebook and just pushing that around to people that own home own homes, have this income, have kids or whatever, like that's where I would spend my money if you can have kind of a thing like that, right? And that doesn't have to be that, but like if your differentiator, you can fit, you know, in a sentence, going back to this, then that can be a really good strategy. And a lot of it is just gets back to that uh, page 11 matrix. Is it high effort or low effort or high impact or low and getting back to core and growth customers? Eventually you might run out of those core and you have to expand. So I would say it's lower on the list, but um, just because you want, my strategy is help people that are looking for you find you and contact you. And once you're full on that, then go, <laughs> then expand and try and go out from there, right? But if someone's trying to find you and they can't and you're on Facebook, you know, you might miss, miss some sales by just not having your phone number on your website, right? Because uh, even that search speed stuff that measures mobile speed for uh, you know, 3G or LTE, and if I'm Googling you and I go find you on Google and I find your site, and then on there I can't find your phone number, I'll probably just go back and go, well, they obviously don't know what they're doing. So if they can't build a website, how are they gonna build my house? You know, which is like kind of a weird subconscious thing, but it's there. So does that answer your question? It's okay if not. <laughs> How are we on time? I think we just ticked over. Is that right? Are we good on time? Okay. Yeah, what if you see a website that you really like, uh -huh. you know, and, and, you, and you borrow quotes from that or something? Is there a way that you yeah. that? Yeah, it's, it might be a little bit advanced, but uh, one thing that you can do, depending on your browser, is to go into the developer tools and do inspect and um, it will show you the code of the website. You're not gonna be able to copy and paste that over because most websites will protect it kind of against that, but you could at least find out what it's built on. Um, so uh, it'll, you can kind of then uh, use a command F or a find and see like, is it WordPress or is it Squarespace? There's even a, this is built with website, right? Is that what it's called? What's it? builtwith.com or something like that, and you can put in the URL, and it'll tell you all the stuff that you're using, they're using. Um, but most of what you guys are gonna need is gonna be any of the websites that people advertise about how easy it is to just kind of get on there and upload. So, yes, you can find out. Uh, built with this would probably be the easiest way. Did you answer your question? This is more Jim's department. <laughs> How would you manage uh, online reviews, good or bad? I, I, I can, I was just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he does, he does all of it for uh, done, which I think that's a really good thing to expose to. Uh, it can be really intriguing to, uh, to outsource things like customer service but you all have called someone that has outsourced it overseas, right? And it's like, I'm a customer of yours and I have a question and I can't get an answer is a pretty frustrating thing, right? So having um, the actual business owners do, you know, social and reviews and that kind of stuff is super important because they're your customers. Uh, you're gonna know how to help them way more than anyone else, which kind of gets back to these other questions uh, too. 
So how do you handle reviews? The best thing that you can do, it's actually a question I removed out of here, which is how do you handle mistakes? Because everybody knows the world is as it is and things happen, right? I don't even remember what my estimate was on the, uh, on the apartment remodel, how many months I thought it would take. I do know that I had to spend a year of uh, storage, <laughs> a year in a storage unit <laughs> while it was being done. So um, I think, I thought I had this really good plan because they gave me three free months. I was like, oh, this is perfect. We're going to do this in three months. I'm not even going to pay for storage. <laughs> and they got me for nine more. So um, everybody knows stuff happens, right? What's important is how you respond to what happens. Uh, so if you get a poor review, it's, it's okay to just go, oh, wow, I didn't know that that was a problem. If there's something that we can do to fix it, here's something that I would suggest, like here's my number, give me a call, and let's figure this out, right? Um, to a customer, that can be really powerful to go like, it's really expensive to have a project that nothing goes wrong, right? To have that much insurance or have that many meetings or to, have, to buy 400 studs when you only need 300 because you're like, I just don't want something to go wrong. It's like, that's, it gets really expensive to have a perfect project, right? And that's why some things never ship because they're trying to be perfect. And so if you can talk about who you are and what you didn't say like, hey, uh, my mortgage broker I think has been in the business like 20 years. He's like, I don't do advertising anymore because I've been doing this long enough that I have and I've taken care of enough people that I can't and the city is going crazy, right? He's like, I can't keep up with all these people that are coming into. And so that's always been a really powerful thing that if you get a bad review, it's not, you shouldn't take it down unless it's like inflammatory and, cra and crazy. I think Yelp even will help you do stuff like that. But if you respond to it, I think it means a lot more than going to someone and go, oh, well, every review they have is great. I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound true. Um, I can't remember. There's a book that just came out and it had 25 star reviews the day it came out. <laughs> I was like, uh huh, right. <laughs> I mean, some people get advanced readers and all that stuff, but I'm like, uh, these don't sound true. They just kind of sound bought, you know? So the reality and the authenticity goes a long way. I think I have something to add to that that somewhat connects to um, social media, how many platforms you should be on. You should be on as many as you can keep up with. So if you're, um, it's really important to respond to people when they're on, um, when they're commenting on your Facebook or um, wherever it's at. So just rather than being on every single platform, choose one and then manage that audience well, treat those customers well. So I think um, Dunlumber and Jim specifically and Todd do a great job of, if you look on their Facebook page, when, when the comment back is Dunlumber, that's something that they've authored or written um, with our team. Or sometimes Jim will just go on and respond directly and take things offline. But it's all about caring for your customers. Um, so rather than being on every platform, choose one and do it really well. Then add another one to it. The other thing um, about social media is um, where are your customers? And so if you're really not sure which which platform to start with. I mean, right now, as I think Joel touched on a little bit, but probably just good to be on Facebook. But if, um, where where are they at? So for Dunlumber, our, um, we have the solutions blog and then we have the DIY blog. Solutions, we are on Facebook and Twitter because that's where we've found 
is the best way to reach you guys. If we should be somewhere else, come talk to me afterwards so I know. Um, but on DIY, we're on Instagram and Pinterest because um, that's where homeowners and DIYers are kind of looking for ideas, looking for things that they want to do next. So um, being intentional about the platforms that you choose and why you're there and then responding to the audiences is really important. So that was my part two to, you, to your question. I think that's a really great um, thing to remember. So if you're going to be on, help me phrase so you're that. You're saying make sure you have time to be on this platform. Yes. And, and I think for people that aren't on social media, understanding what that means for them, what does that time mean? Yes. And so I think it's important that, that you explain you know, what it means to actually be on social media. Because mm -hmm. it's one thing to just go make a page post a picture once a month. That's not going to really give you the presence and you're not really associating that time correctly. Yep. But if you're going to be consistent and you're going to make content every single day, then that means that you're allocating that time for that one platform. That's a really great um, point. So when you're, um, what does it mean to be consistent on social media? Um, and this is kind of why I stress just choosing one platform. Um, there's almost rules of engagement and they're different for each platform. So um, if you think of Twitter, a tweet will last for a couple hours and then it's gone. You're not, so um, when you're thinking of how often you should be tweeting, it's you should probably tweet every day or just know that people will see your tweet within a couple hours of when it's tweeted and then not after that. Um, so, yeah, this is such a good question because it, it just gets really, um, what is the right way to interact on a platform? Um, on Facebook, it, think about consistency. Okay, don't, you don't have to post a picture every day, but you don't post once a month and then just ignore it. We, um, for Dunlumber, we'll post twice a week, but we check the page every day to make sure um, we're responding to people's questions um, and seeing what's going on. We're posting so that we're engaging with the platform um, because you don't just want to um, be on a platform and just take up real estate. You also want to show that you know how to engage. So you don't want to be on every platform and not engage in the right way. So um, yeah, do you have? Yeah. Yep, he's got some stuff to add. So um, while we love the plan and like, hey, just uh, post at 9, noon, 3, and 5 every day and uh, come up with something witty and fun, there you go, right? It's like think of value to your customers and growing that audience. Like I see things on Instagram from a brand every day and I don't unfollow them because every day it's something that's visually appealing or something interesting or something to try and kind of help and just be in and out and around. It doesn't mean that you have to always talk about your business because your customers actually think of other things than just the work that you do for them, right? Like we have lives outside of the projects that you do for us. So 
as you think about it, like you can almost um, organize it into a calendar if you want, or it can just be more raw and authentic. I forget the guy's name, but he has a painting uh, Instagram out of Idaho, and the things that he does on there are very, very interesting. He just sets up like a GoPro or something and just does these time lapses of him painting because we love before and afters, right? We love as people seeing progress and we love seeing transformation. I mean, the uh, remodel shows and all that stuff isn't because uh, the personalities. It's like people love seeing that kind of transformation, which is what you guys do. So if you can think about how do I give people value, um, that's kind of the bigger question than just the here's the plan or the strategy. Because then how you solve for that problem will be a lot better than me writing out, here's a plan. Because I could tell you, well, it's Facebook is, you know, three times a day, Twitter's 10 times a day, Instagram's once a day, it's all made up. It doesn't, it's just made up. Um, and that's actually my biggest fear coming into this of trying to talk about marketing where a lot of it is just made up. What we're trying to do is to help give you some tools to make some decisions that work good for you. So one book I didn't have um, that uh, I think is in here is called Jab, 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 Right Hook. And it's by uh, the premier like social media marketing person in America, in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinion right now, Gary Vanderchuk. And he wrote this book uh, about social media, about how to grow these profiles. And he said, in boxing, you don't just go for your right hook as your first punch. You kind of have to jab, 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 and then do a right hook. You have to kind of like feel out where they are and then to be able to hit them. So that's what his book's about. And another way of how we talk about it at Dunlumber is give, 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 then you ask, right? And it's not like give, 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 and then you take from them, but you kind of give this and you give that and you give that. And then every fourth post is maybe, hey, and here's, I, I'm taking new clients in two weeks, right? Or four months or in December. <laughs> and just kind of like give, 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 and then you ask. Um, is another really good way to think about that stuff. But Jab, 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 Right Hook is a good book if you want some specifics. The, of course, problem with that Jim hit on earlier, I think it's had two or three editions because there's social media platforms he talked about in there that don't exist anymore. <laughs> but they did at the time when he wrote the book, so. So the, the question is, how do you reconcile uh, things that are global and national, like Facebook and Twitter, and actually develop kind of a community, a smaller community, either on those platforms or on another platform, right? Well, is that, should you use one of those platforms? Should you use? Should you just have some local? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. I have to think about um, one that's... Can I comment on Oh, that? sure. Um, so I use Yelp as a platform, and I just use the free version. And they allow you to dial in on your area code, like 98107. So I'm going to service Ballard, Shoreline, you know, my areas that I want to service. And I typically don't get folks requesting out of that zone. So it is a it is a larger platform, but also you can tailor it down to where you want to service. Yeah. Can I add something? Oh, yeah. 
I just want to add one thing that I've been doing lately and really enjoying. Um, with Google specifically, um, you can limit, you can pinpoint something on a map and uh, target within a one kilometer radius for their advertising. So even though it is, you know, um, a global uh, platform, you could still, I could target, you know, within one kilometer from this location right here and serve you guys all a certain amount of ads. And based on, it could be like an age and interest, and then if you're within one kilometer right here, I could, I could serve you ads. So there's lots of tools um, that these global platforms offer to target locally, if that makes sense. I have one more thought for social media for you guys. Um, earlier I said, remember that what you do is special, and um, I just want to elaborate on that. We have a lot of new people moving to Seattle, um, and if you think about it, they're moving here, they don't have family, they can't call their dad to come fix their backyard fence. They can't, uh, <laughs> there's, there's just, or new homeowners or apartment renters who just don't know what to do. So when you're trying to think of content for people, if, you, if you're wanting to post more on social, the problems that you solve every day I don't know how to solve. Most people don't know how to solve them. So um, even thinking about when we had the crazy snowstorm, someone posting a post of like, hey, it's snowing right now. Um, remember to do this to your driveway. Like you should put salt down or you shouldn't or put sandbags in the back of your truck or whatever it is kind of like those dad advice. Uh, a lot of people don't have that. So um, just, I know you do it every day and it, it just becomes repetitive, but it's like that stuff is so special and valuable and people will really connect with that. And if they can connect you to solving a problem for them, like, oh, I, um, I just saw something on Facebook about recalking a bathtub and now I know how to recalk my bathtub and oh, that was that. If you, if you can connect a solution for them, that's an, another way to be in their mind. So just if you start to think, oh, I want to be, um, providing more content is what problems do you already solve for people and then you can you can do that on your digital platforms and that's a lot of what we do with DIY and solutions so that was just a side note would you say that that kind of help then is like you were saying there's back of line recall so is that part of just giving some advice um, so then that's going to translate into dollars where they then go to the website because I guess really what I'm looking at and kind of to that gentleman's question you're you're a marketing agency, how much money do you actually see being made? Where are the checks being written from Facebook, Instagram, Yelp, versus I've got a clear, concise website that converts to yeah. a paycheck? I'm going to let Joel take this one. Repeat the question. So um, how do you actually measure ROI for social media is kind of the question. Gary Vaynerchuk, who I just talked about, which I'll start just giving these books away. I don't know how to really do it, but I have two of each, so I'll tell you about each, and then I guess the first person to raise their hand or say that's the one I want, we'll give it to, okay? Funny about this, this says, why smart people dismiss social media and why they shouldn't. The first chapter heading, there's no ROI. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, you got it. Um, the next one is, the metrics aren't reliable. And the next one is social media is still too young. And this is a little bit older now, right? And so that's kind of like, it's kind of like the plan thing of like, uh, everybody knows 50% of your advertising doesn't work. We just don't know which 50%, you know? And so we try and do our best to have analytics and measure it and to try and test and go, man, if Yelp, if the free Yelp is working for you, like 
man, that's great. There's nothing to do to change about that. What could be good is to try and go and say like, should I work up higher in the funnel in that? Of like, what do people look at before Yelp? Are they on Instagram and going, oh, I need a this or a that. And then just like um, that corner of someone's mind of like giving value into there is the game, right? So if you can talk about things like uh, someone raised their hand for fencing earlier and we just read, uh, actually DIY just helped us with our fence to just uh, do some rehanging and stuff. But like if you build fences and um, other people, you can help people prolong the life of their fence and they do it or don't do it or know they should and don't, when they do need a fence, who are they gonna look at, right? If they're following you because you've already just kind of been around and helping them out way before uh, they ever needed you, that you have that edge on everybody else. Um, and the power of technology, which shouldn't be surprising, is that for, um, this used to be the only way uh, information was disseminated, right? We all get together and we write a thing and then we, we talk about it. What's really cool now is that once we do this, uh, Dunlumber is gonna post this and maybe someone two years from now will uh, maybe all of this won't be relevant, so this isn't a good example, but it's like technology lets you go farther and do better with less. So if you answer the same question, if you wrote down, if you for a month said, what are the questions I always get asked every day that I'm so tired of answering, you could write it out and put it on your site. That's really good market research for SEO and for everything else because your customers have that question. And so if you don't know what to write about, just keep track of the top 10 questions that you always get asked. Hit up your current customer, right? And after the job's done, go, hey, what could I have done better or explained more that I can help with someone else? Then you can do something one time that works for you over and over and over again, right? People will talk about passive incomes and business assets. Well, you can create a marketing asset as well to where one of the number one performing posts we have is about a horizontal fence for DIY. It was like the fourth post we ever made four years ago. I have no idea why. Like, and we've tried to redo it and do it again. It's like that one got, uh, well, we kind of know what happened, but we don't know why it happened. Basically, one of the pictures that we took got posted on this person's Pinterest page that then just went across the whole world, right? And so it's just like, and Pinterest was really early, so it was a lot more organic and it was just great. It's getting a little bit more like Facebook these days, but. It's just like we just happen to do the right thing at the right time. If you're trying to time the market just like stocks, you'll miss it. The best thing you can do is to just be consistent and then you'll, use, you'll kind of make your own luck as they kind of talk about it. But you can totally have this one. Who wants the other one? Cool. Gary V, yep. Okay. These next two, what's that? Okay. Uh, Harvard Business um, makes these really cool like on different topics. This one's on strategic marketing. Um, it has the Theodore Levitt one and it has uh, customer journey stuff in it. Seriously, whoever raised their hand. Oh gosh, okay, sorry. <laughs> I didn't see this one first. Uh, funny thing about Harvard Business is um, all of those articles are online. <laughs> they just put them in a book, right? And so, um, <laughs> It's kind of funny. Okay, this next one is uh, called The Greatest Business Decisions of All Time. I was trying to think of, uh, yep, you got this one? Okay, <laughs> sorry. This is not very democratic. 
but this is a really good book. They're all listed here in the back. Uh, I mean, companies like Zappos and Apple and 3M and IBM and uh, the Ford Motor Company about when they were really faced with a big decision, what they did and how they saved themselves and their company. The one I bookmarked in here is about Johnson & Johnson. And what's really amazing about that, if you don't know the story, is that um, the CEO at the time, like three years before the Tylenol crisis, got his whole board together and said, just so you guys all know, this is what we're about. We're about the mothers and the fathers and the nurses and the doctors. And he goes on and on about, here's the people we serve, here's how we serve them, and the very last people was the shareholders. And he's like, just so you know, this is who we are and what we do. We're gonna make all our decisions based on that. Well, three years later, they had the Tylenol crisis where the FBI and everyone was telling them, recall, like, don't recall everything, just it's fine. It's a look, and they're like, no, our responsibility is not to the shareholders and the cost of everything. We're protecting and building a brand that actually is for people, the mothers, the fathers, the doctors, the nurses. And he, they uh, wrote about that in here. What's really cool, I have not seen it, uh, but they wrote that manifesto in stone and it's in their lobby. <laughs> and so it's just like a really cool reminder of like when you can be clear of who you are, who you serve and how you serve them, you can write it in stone and everyone just knows, right? But um, it's a really cool and inspirational book. The audio book is really good too if you're driving around and just want to do that, but really ins inspirational stuff here. So I think with that, are we wrapping up, Jim? It was you, right? Okay, cool. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Rochelle, Joel, Dave. Good stuff. Appreciate that.